Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you'd like to show Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Good morning, my friend. Hope you're doing well. How's it going out there? Sometimes the days of your life just don't play out exactly like you want. And when they do, when things like that occur, especially when really bad things happen, like, you know, you lose somebody or, or, or something stressful is happening in your life or in your marriage, there's always a moment where you can decide that you're going to let that moment, that, that time, that, that situation, that circumstance engulf you and take you down the abyss, the staircase, I used to call it, the, the pit of despair, as Isaiah describes it. Actually, let me rephrase that. The pit of despair is a phrase that came from the, the Princess Bride. The furnace of suffering is what Isaiah said. <laughs> I seem to conflate those things sometimes. The furnace of suffering. You can get into this situation where, where you allow circumstance to just put you down into a hole, right? And then what, what happens sometimes is you start obsessing over the problem and you can't see your way out of it, and it becomes its own self-defeating situation where you just just get miserable, right? And so in a day like yesterday, even though nothing really bad happened and great surgeries happened, you could either I could either get irritated by the delays and the frustrations and the monitor that won't work or whatever's happening, and I can just let myself get in a really foul mood and get grumpy and get snippy with people. And then what's going to happen is the day's going to get worse. It's when, you, when the leader gets irritated, then other people start getting agitated and they start performing worse, right? I saw this in Iraq a lot. We were uh, having a mortar attack while we were having a big mass casualty event. Um, it, we were really busy, but also stressed out and in danger and all that. If the leaders, if the surgeons started acting grumpy or scared or, or frustrated, then the followers did too, and their performance suffered and it got harder to do the job. And so today I just want to, you know, we're halfway through all in August. Today's the 17th. We're in the back half of all in August. And if you find you're just not making the kind of progress that you want, one thing you might want to do is look at your mindset. Look at how you're looking at things as they play out. And even if you're pressing in to try and make it a big change about something, if you're looking at it from the negative bias, it may be that you're just your your own brain chemistry is keeping you from achieving the kind of progress that you want. And so today, I just want to talk for a minute about something that psychologists call positivity bias training. And I'm going to give you a little bit of information about what the Bible has to say about that. We're just going to chat for a couple of minutes. Listen, there, there's a guy named Martin Seligman who was a psychologist and, and is a psychologist, and he wrote kind of a breakthrough idea in psychology kind of kind of taught generations of psychologists to stop thinking about what most mental health experts 
always think about, which is problems. Don't think about your mental illness or your mental problem, your your, your difficulty, the, the 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 insufficiency of how your brain is working, but rather. He called, he, he's now called the, po- the father of positive psychology because he taught people to look at finding the ways to look at what's good, finding the ways to look at what's hopeful, finding the ways to look at what's positive. For many years, psychology kind of worked within this idea of disease, to treating people with mental problems and psychopathological issues instead of finding a way to help people see the, the positive psychology, to shift the focus of interventions from problems to solutions. And so not why are you so depressed? Why are you so anxious? Stop feeling that way. Stop doing that. Stop thinking that. Instead, they determined that positive psychology really has five key aspects and this is really well laid out in Daniel Amen's book, You Happier, which is a fantastic look at the neuroscience of happiness and, and feeling good and all those things. It's really important. It's a, just a tremendous book, and, and Daniel has done a beautiful job. But, but he lays out this sort of positive bias training in, in that chapter, um, and he talks about Martin Seligman's work. And here's the summation of it. that They determined, Seligman and his colleagues, determined that positive psychology helps you to look at life with optimism. Positive psychology allows us to appreciate the present. Positive psychology lets us accept and make peace with the past. Positive psychology helps us to be more grateful and forgiving. And positive psychology helps us to look beyond the momentary pleasures and pains of life, to look beyond the moment, right? Those are all great things, right? And we've learned that in in what we call now sort of trauma-informed care. Like instead of saying, looking at somebody's behavior, and saying, what's wrong with you, man? Why are you doing all these things? Why do you take those drugs? Why do you behave that way? Why are you always causing trouble? Instead of what's wrong with you, we look beyond their behavior and say, what happened to you? What has occurred in your life, friend, that's led you to thinking and behaving this way so consistently? What happened? What happened to you? So to the positive bias when you're looking at a situation or you're looking at yourself in your life is, is not to say what's wrong with me what's the matter with me why does it always feel this way why does this always happen to me why is this always occurring to me why does nobody behave appropriately around me the positive spin on that would be what has happened to lead me into this situation where i feel this way well, what's happened to look at it and most of the time i would just challenge you as we're trying to go all in with our lives with our brains with our with our spirits all in in our relationships all in with our behavior i want you to understand that a lot of the times the problem is sort of what, what i've jokingly called eye trouble like we're we're wondering why everybody else is behaving a certain way and we never look inward to, to maybe some of the solutions to why things are happening or feeling the way they are has to do with the way we're thinking and approaching them. And so learning to have a positive bias towards your thinking is a crucial aspect of learning how to break through all that clutter and, and the sameness and, the, and the, how's that working for you kind of idea like we talked about yesterday. Having a positive bias to your thinking helps you to unlock a couple of really important things. And what they are is that positivity in a situation creates a better brain environment, a better brain chemical environment than negativity do. That's just true. It's been proven without any doubt from being, from neuroscience that, that positive thinking produces a better chemical environment in your brain. And what that does is allows you to re-engage different, or recreate rather, new synaptic connections that will lead you to a more natural or automated positive thought in the future. Now, when I'm talking about positive thinking, don't ever mistake don't ever think that I'm saying that you should just put a smile on your face and move on. I was 
kind of exposed to some of that thinking as a child. And it can be really harmful, especially if you attach it to a religious connotation and say, Christians aren't sad. Christians are happy. Christians are always supposed to have a smile on their face. Christians shrug off troubles. The problem with that is it doesn't line up with the real world because it's not reasonable to lose your son and still be happy about it the same day. That's not reasonable. And if you tell people they have to, if you tell people that they should always be happy no matter what happens, then that they're going to realize that that's not realistic. It's not possible. And then you're going to start feeling guilt and shame over not living up to what you are being taught that you're supposed to feel, right? So when I say I want you to feel positive, I'm not saying that you should always just paste a smile on and act like it doesn't matter to you. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, like I said the other day, when you're on the beach and the bullets are coming at you and you know what your purpose is, then you can you can put the shield up and you can say, wait a minute, I've, I've got to find a way through this. There is a path forward here. That will allow me to succeed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop just thinking about the bullets coming at me, and I'm gonna start looking for the opportunity to move forward safely. I'm gonna start believing that there's a way to get from point A where I'm at to point B where there's safety, where there's peace, there's hope, there's future, there's resur- there's reconnection, there's uh, the, you know resolution of problems or, or whatever. There's a way for me to get from here to there. And I'm telling you, friend, the way to get from here to there in your brain is to look at the situation with a positive bias to say, okay, this is happening, but I can find a way through it. Because the alternative, the negative bias is the cortisol and the, and the adrenaline, the stress hormones are going to fire up and you're going to say, I need to, to, to run away or I need to suck in and get dig, deeper down in this hole and just hide or I need to kill myself or I need to divorce this person or do whatever. You, you go down this negative path and you, your problems don't generally get better, do they? If you dig in on the beach, you're going to eventually have a shell land on you and get blown up. And you, you've got to have an ability to move forward. And the only way to do that is to find some way to positively look at the situation. Again, really careful to discern what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that you say, oh, yeah, I went bankrupt. Great. That's wonderful. No, that's not what I'm talking about. That's insanity. What I'm saying is mm, the money's not there. What can I do? Is it impossible? Is it never going to be okay? Am I going to fail? Am I going to go bankrupt? Are they going to take my house? No. You say, wait a minute. I've got some skills. I can, I can add some hours at work. I can find a way to get my boss to advance my pay. I can do this. I can do that. There's a way to solve this problem. Starts with prayer. There's a way to clear the situation and look through it and find an answer and look through it and find a possibility look through it and find a path that's what i mean by positivity not oh it's all going to be okay which i say that all the time but i don't mean it in a in a silly way a fantasy way i mean to say that based on my track record of memory of the past of how god has has behaved and responded when i've had trouble in the past somehow i got through all those previous situations somehow i didn't go bankrupt somehow i didn't die in iraq somehow i didn't you know kill myself after i went through a divorce or had all those issues somehow i found love when i met lisa somehow i believed in myself again because lisa said i, I was okay so somehow god got me through losing my son somehow we managed to survive or or moving our practice from Alabama to Wyoming. And somehow we wound up in Nebraska. Somehow God did all those things. And so since he did all those things in the past, I've got memory. I can say, maybe there is hope for the future. And then I can move 
can flex that muscle of hope and start moving towards that possibility instead of just hunkering down on the beach and waiting to get blown up, right? That's that's what I mean by having a positive bias. You just say, I'm going to look at this situation and find the path because there is a path. There's a crack in the door filled with light in this dark room, and I just need to find the path forward there, okay? So when I tell you to have a positive bias, please don't ever think I'm telling you to be unrealistically positive, okay? There's lots of psychology to this. But the thing you don't know, the thing that most people don't know, is how much positive and negative thoughts affect your brain chemistry. I said it a while ago, but when you have a happy thought, even a simple one, like a bright idea, a, a loving feeling, your brain releases the chemicals of happiness, dopamine, serotonin, endorphins, oxytocin. They calm your body. They help clear your thinking. They help you find possibility and hope in the moment. And when you have negative thoughts, the brain releases or decreases certain chemicals and you feel angrier, more stressed, more sad. The release of these stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline and you, and you deplete the positive neurotransmitters and your brain predictably gets worse and worse and worse and worse when you focus on those negative thoughts. So your choice then, as I've told you many times, the only animals in the whole animal kingdom, if you want to think about yourself in terms of zoology, is that has the gift of selective attention are human beings. We're the only ones who have the ability to say, I am not going to think about that for a second. I'm going to think about this instead. You can change trains. You can change your train of thought. You can change what you're thinking about, friend. And you can decide to think about something that's going to make you feel better instead of worse. You can. You can set that train of thought and you can change the direction of how you're thinking and feeling and that deciding that you're going to live more positively is the key to do that. You have to do that ahead of time. You have to do it ahead of time. I said it a million times. You got to prehab your brain to believe that you are going to handle whatever you encounter in a more positive way. And you will. You absolutely will. So one, one sort of surgery, one self brain surgery technique that we've talked about a lot is what I call the bad thought biopsy. It's been covered many times in many ways. Lots of people have written about this idea. Byron Katie and Daniel Amen and lots of people have looked at it and as a way of just examining your thinking and not believing every thought that pops into your head. I call it the thought biopsy because when I do brain surgery, if I look at a scan and I see a round spot in your brain and I just tell you, I put my hand on your knee and say, hey, you've got a brain tumor. We need to go put you in radiation and chemotherapy. You would say, wait a minute, how do you know for sure it's a brain tumor? And I would say, well, I've seen it before. That's probably what it is. We ought to just radiate your brain. We ought to put nuclear radiation on your skull. And you would say, that's crazy. You don't know for sure that it's a tumor. That'd be malpractice, right? Instead, I have to take you to the operating room. I have to put a needle in that thing. And I have to biopsy it so the pathologist can tell us what it is for sure before we decide how to treat it. And it's the same thing with your thinking. When the thought pops into your head, you've got to say, wait a second. Is that thought true? Is it absolutely true? Is it certain to be true? And how do I feel about that if it is true? And, and what would I feel if, I, if it wasn't true? What would I do differently if it's cancer as opposed to if it's just a little scar tissue in the brain? Well, if it's cancer, I've got to do radical surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, all that stuff, hospice, all those things. If it's just a little scar tissue, I just don't have to do anything. I'm well. I'm fine. I get to move on with my life, right? 
if it's a bad thought and I look at it, is it absolutely true? Maybe not. Maybe there's some way to think about it as it's not true. Is it 100% true? Maybe Maybe it's partially true. Daniel Lehman gives a great example in the book of you have this thought that pops into your head. Nobody likes me. And then you put yourself through this process. Is it true? Yes, I think it's true. Is it absolutely true with 100% certainty? And you would say, well, maybe my mom likes me. Maybe my wife likes me. So the first thought was, nobody likes me. You say, is it true? Yeah, I think that's true. But then you say, wait, is it 100% absolutely true? Then you make yourself admit, no, there's a couple of people who like me. The third step then was, how do you feel when you believe that thought? Well, if nobody liked me, I'd be pretty sad. I'd be kind of depressed, and I would spend the rest of my life alone with no friends. I'd be a loser. I'd be a loner. I'd die alone. And nobody would care as the guy in the Bible that said he died to no one's regret, right? Then the fourth step, how would you feel if you didn't have that thought? Well, if I didn't have the thought that nobody liked me, I would feel happier and more open to meeting other people and connecting with them. And then the last step, turn the thought around to its opposite and ask if the opposite is true. So instead of nobody likes me, maybe the thought is some people do like me. And is there any evidence that this is true? Well, my wife seems to like me. She sticks around. We've been married for a long time, and she doesn't leave me. So maybe she does like me. Maybe my coworkers invite me to lunch from time to time, or somebody sends me a funny meme on Instagram. So somebody's out there thinking about me, right? I can pretty much guarantee that when I open my phone this morning, I'm going to have a couple of funny videos to watch from my friend Al Okay, almost every day. So he's out there thinking about me. He likes me. So now I've worked myself from this thought that nobody likes me all the way out to, hey, there are a few really, really connected people who actually do like me, and I am not alone. And so then, instead of reacting to the negative thought automatically, meditate on the thought that's actually true, and you'll find a way to feel a little more hopeful and a little more you know, optimistic about what's going to happen that day. So the question at the end of the day is, are the thoughts that I'm routinely allowing myself to think, as Dr. Phil said, how's it working for you? Are these thoughts helping me or are they hurting me? Is my bias negative towards the harm of my own brain chemistry or is it positive towards helping my brain chemistry and therefore my automated thinking, my synaptic connections, and my behavior going forward that's easier and easier and easier to accomplish because I've trained my brain with prehab, brain surgery, and now rehab to go forward in a more positive way. That's the treatment plan. Do your thoughts bring you more safety, peace, joy, hope, happiness, or are they bringing you regret, anger, frustration, sadness, depression? Learn how to keep the thoughts that are serving you and question or discard or better react to the ones that are dragging you down. And that will change your life. And that's how you go all in with your brain. You know what cracks me up is that we've done all the psychological research and written tens of thousands of books and articles and papers and blogs. And there's all this stuff out there about positivity bias training. And 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You hear that? Prayer, meditation, gratitude. Verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends your understand, all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's telling you, you need to guard your mind. You need to be careful what you let your brain think about. Then verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What is that? Positivity bias training. He's telling you, you're going to have a hard life. Remember this guy, Paul, was in prison, shipwrecked, snake bit, stoned, you know, 
ultimately martyred. Like this guy is not saying that you'll have a happy life full of, you know, great things and never have anything bad happen to you. He's saying in the midst of those hard things, be positive anyway, and you'll find a better path forward. That's the answer. So you see, positivity bias training is not teaching you how to be ridiculously optimistic in the face of overwhelming evidence that you ought not to be. That's not it. Let me give you an example of something that you can do based on something I did that was was almost life-saving in the moment. So when you have something really bad happen, when you go through a really hard circumstance, and and I want to say, take a time out here and, and just say thank you. We've received written cards and emails and several text messages from from many people who are listeners noticing and, and being aware of the fact that three days from now, August 20th, is the anniversary, the ninth anniversary of the worst day of our lives, the day we lost our son Mitch. And, and many of you are just very kindly loving on and doctoring us and, and reminding us that you're thinking about us in that moment. And I just, I just want to tell you how grateful we are for that. Just to know that people are out there that are aware. It's like as time goes on after a big event like that happens, you, you sort of wonder if people know, if they, if they care, especially the people who knew about it when it happened and who knew that person that you lost or knew that situation that you went through. Like, have they forgotten? Like, I, I spend a little time sometimes going down this rabbit hole of worrying that people have forgotten Mitch or don't remember how funny he was or how smart he was and those kinds of things. And and, and to know that the people who didn't even ever know him are just giving us a little thought, a little mental energy, sending out a word of encouragement and even taking the time to write, that that's amazing. And so it's a good example of how we can love on and be community for each other, even if we're only connected digitally to each other in the world. It's amazing what the Internet has allowed us to do. So so great, we're grateful about that. But let me tell you something that happened. So we, we lose our son on the 20th. On the 23rd, we have his funeral, and we're driving back from Prattville, Alabama to Auburn, which is about an hour, um, hour and a half, something like that, probably an hour and 15 minutes in the car that day. Got my parents in the back seat, Lisa and I are in the front. We're in a little caravan of cars going from Prattville down the interstate to Montgomery and then, and then over to Auburn to the, to the east. And we're, we're devastated, right? We're crying and we're just numb and, and we don't, really know what we're going to do and we're and we're in that situation of just being kind of emotionally stunted and muted by the whole thing and all of a sudden it's a cloudy day it's a cloudy day and all of a sudden we see this intense incredible just unbelievably vivid double rainbow over the highway and it was in front of us far enough that we could see both ends of it like we're driving under this double rainbow and just in that moment, I can't tell you, I can't really describe it. It sounds kind of silly. I just knew that somehow God was going to get us through this. And I had this weird thought. It's just this strange thought. I wonder what that looks like from Mitch's perspective in heaven. I wonder if he can see that rainbow. I wonder if he's smiling because he knows it's giving us a little bit of a boost, a little bit of a lift right now. Like I, I just, I just had this moment where I stepped out of the pain that I was in and allowed myself to think about something that was happier, and I felt better. And that sounds like a trick, but it's not a trick. I mean, from from a chemical standpoint, even in the midst of a hard time, you can notice something good in that moment. 
There was a day in Iraq I wrote about in my last book where I was just miserable and everything was bloody red and everybody had gotten blown up and we did all this trauma surgery that day and, and the, it had been just brown everywhere on the outside. There's dirt everywhere and it's dark sky and there's a sandstorm and my whole world was red and brown. Just, just red and brown. I was just focused on these negative thoughts as I was walking down the sidewalk and I just encountered this little tiny plant that was growing up, bright green plant growing up out of a crack in the sidewalk. And it just like was wow, this whole world, my brain is saying everything is red and everything is brown. Everything is bloody or dirty or filthy or, or decaying or dying or screaming or bleeding everything is negative and all of a sudden my brain said but that's not there's a little blade of grass right there that's popped up somehow improbably in the middle of this desert there's a little green plant growing up out of the ground in the hardest place possible growing up out of concrete and just for a moment i said well if that plant can grow and thrive in this difficult environment maybe i can too and, and so I, I just stepped out of the problem and into something a little bit more positive for a second. And it made a huge difference in my heart that day. Just, it just, just made a huge difference. And I've heard from so many people that that little story in that book resonated with them. And the reason it resonates, friend, is because we need to be able to find, and it's, it's something you can reliably do. You can train yourself to find something positive in the midst of any situation that you're in. And that doesn't mean that what's happening isn't happening. It just means that you allow yourself to say, we're on parallel tracks here. This is happening. There's still some good and some light and some hope in the world. And because of that, that means it's possible for you to get through what you're going through and move forward. That's why the Bible says, think on these things. That's why the Bible says, fret not yourself. Like, Don't go down these rabbit holes of negativity because that's how you get lost in these heavy circumstances. Don't allow yourself to believe every stupid thought that you have. Because most of them are negative. Most of them are wired to be negative. But you can train your brain to bias towards positivity. You can. And it'll make all the difference. And I'm just telling you, friend, if you can learn to think on these things, these better things, you're going to be happier. And and not to be happier just for the sake of, of acting like things are going to be okay, but to be happier because happier people have better brain chemistry and they make better synapses and they make better decisions and they find better possibilities and they solve problems better. And this has been proven unequivocally through all kinds of scientific research. It is absolutely true that if you look at the world negatively, you don't perform as well. You don't marry as well. You don't sustain relationships as well. You don't avoid bad habits as well. You don't live as long. In fact, there's been really good research that says happier people have lower blood pressure and lower risk of coronary artery disease and lower numbers of strokes and lower numbers of cancer. Like happier people live longer and feel better. And that's why I always say I want you to become healthier, feel better, and be happier. I want you to change your mind so you can change your life. So I'm always telling you to find a way to look for the hope and the light. And the only reason I care about that for you so much is because if we can all find a way to be a little more positive, our society will change. The world will change. But people will start seeing that the Lord loves them and there's opportunity and purpose and power and passion and promise for you. Because when God says something, friend, he says it for everybody. And when he tells you that he's got good plans for you, it's true. And you can't get to him if you're just mired down in your negativity and your impossibility. 
if you can't see the light and move towards it, you'll never find the light, right? It's time to go all in. And it's time to go all in and decide that we will relentlessly refuse to participate in our own demise. And I'm just telling you, friend, running with your negative thoughts is participating in your own demise. It's playing Russian roulette with your own brain. So quit it, okay? Let's go with positivity bias, not irrationally positive, but a way to find consistently the ability to find something in a moment that's positive and hopeful and move towards it and latch onto it and refuse to give it up because that's the good news. You can't change your life until you change your mind, and you can start today. power in all the universe is God's love. Sing it together. Oh, sing it over me. I'll sing it over you. He loves us. He loves us. Sing it over me. I'll sing it over you. He loves us. He loves us. Let the brothers sing. Let the sisters shout. He loves us. He loves us. All are welcome here. Join in the cheer. He loves us. He loves us, and He has brought us to His banquet hall, and His banner over us is love, yeah. He has bought us with His precious blood, and His banner over us is love, yeah. Sing it over you. He loves us. He loves us. Sing it over me. I'll sing it over you. He loves us. He loves us. Let the brothers sing. Let the sisters shout. He loves us. He loves us. All are welcome here. Join in the cheer. He loves us. He loves us. Great When he gave his life for all of us He has chosen us to be his own And his banner over us is love It's over me It's over you It's over us
Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.